Yankee Tree Service, call them today, 401-439-6028. The tree trimming experts from Lincoln, you can always find them online, yankeetreeservice.com. Tree removal since 2006, 24-7 emergency service available. It's Yankee Tree. Folks, I've dealt with them for years. Tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, also emergency service, and bucket truck service you can depend on on Yankee Tree Service. Call them today. Get a free quote, 401-439-6028. And remember, with Yankee Tree Service, they have the licensed arbitrist. They'll come out and they'll explain which tree maybe you want to get removed, maybe what tree you don't want to get removed. Tree pruning, also one of the best things you can do for your property and for your trees. It's Yankee Tree Service. Call them today. The tree trimming experts based out of Lincoln. Call them at 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, 401-439-6028. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Now, Congressman David Cicilline obviously left office really wasn't working for the people of the state. Instead, his role seemingly was to become an attack dog and was an attack dog for the Democrat Party. Now enter Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos. And there she is on MSNBC. And they bring her on. And for what reason? She is now she is Lieutenant Governor. She's also running for the CD1 seat that was vacated by Cicilline, and she's decided she's going to speak out against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Let's pick it up. This is Lieutenant Governor Matos. They're not only embracing migrants, they're shining a spotlight on their contributions. Case in point, Rhode Island. In 2011, Sabina Matos, an immigrant, an immigrant made history becoming Rhode Island's first Dominican-American and first Afro-Latina lieutenant governor. Matos is also the first black woman to ever hold statewide office. Now she's running for Congress. Rhode Island Lieutenant Governor Sabino Matos is with us now. Lieutenant Governor, thank you for joining me. I'm curious about your take on the immigration laws that are taking effect today, 1,200 miles south of you in Florida, your sense of how it's going to impact undocumented workers. Thank you, Secretary. Uh, I have to say that that law is evil. What mega Republicans are doing right now is using the immigrant population as a punching bag in order to earn political points. That's that's not right. We shouldn't be using the dehumanizing um, people and using the suffering of our of our community in order to earn political points. Here in Rhode Island, we recognize the importance of our immigrant population. Look at my story is, is a good example. Just coming here to this country, to the state, not speaking the language, being able to get an education and being able to be elected to office to serve my community. This is an example of what the immigrant population does in here in the United States. And we continue to open doors here in Rhode Island for our immigrant population. And despite all of those tremendous contributions that immigrants make today and that they have a legacy of making in our nation's history, both GOP candidates, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, if elected, say they will end birthright citizenship. What do you make uh, of their blatant promise to defy the 14th Amendment? Ridiculous. Again, they're just using um, this as a way to gain political point. And this is why it's so important for us to have people in Congress that are going to fight those um, proposals that um, Donald Trump or DeSantis uh, come forward with. Well, unlike Florida, some states are not only embracing migrants, the beginning they're that. shining a spotlight on their contributions. Case in point, Rhode Island. In 2011, Sabina Matos, no, an immigrant... It was 2020. I, I, how did they even get that wrong? I thought they said 2011. No, she was appointed... That whole piece is wrong. She was appointed lieutenant governor... She was appointed lieutenant governor when McKee took over Raimondo in 2021, not 2011. Can't even get that part right. But, folks, this is um, now also keep in mind that now 
it is now started that uh, the, first of all a couple things the, this pandering she's doing political points that's that's why you know mckee she got chosen the whole reason she was chosen was because of political pandering and now she's going after president trump and the fact she calls the governor evil american voices guest host julian castro so the fact that um <clears throat> the whole reason she was chosen was governor mckee trying to appeal and get the latino vote and so for her to say that trump and DeSantis, they're talking about enforcing the law if there's anyone that is doing things just to kind of garner uh political points or however you want to phrase it it's it's her and her whole <clears throat> contingent that is supporting the driver's licenses uh for illegals and then the fact of how she got tapped to be lieutenant governor in the first place so folks you're listening to the john DePietro show Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. AtMed Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At AtMed Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals families they're on duty at all times they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical now if you're in a car accident go to atman urgent care avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms they also do adult vaccinations laboratory testing atman urgent care when it's an emergency 1524 atwood avenue in johnston that's right in the atwood medical center and also 5750 post road east greenwich online at admedurgentcare.net you're listening to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 and 99.9 fm boy problems in baltimore all over the weekend let's pick up the story good morning america and tired of the violence. As a matter of fact, one person I spoke to in particular was caught in that violence over the weekend. She tells me the scene went from party to panic in an instant. Man, they started banging out here, bro. This morning, Bedlam in Baltimore, as an urgent manhunt intensifies after a mass shooting in a residential neighborhood that left at least two people dead and 28 others injured. Police releasing the names of the victims, 20-year-old Kailis Fagbemi and 18-year-old Alia Gonzalez. And now, Metro Crime Stoppers looking for help finding the suspects. Around 12.30 Sunday morning, police say they received several calls for a shooting at a block party. Witnesses claim hearing 20 to 30 gunshots ring out, forcing hundreds to flee the area. I hope these folks don't sleep well, because we're not going to sleep until we pull them off. There was young people running everywhere. This woman, who wanted her name withheld, was at the party when the shots were fired. While in her car looking for her own friends and family, two girls walked up to her and said they were shot. Oh. You guys, jump in my car. Let's go. And zoomed them to the hospital, and I kept telling the girl, just baby, just breathe in and out. After dropping them off at the hospital, she says she saw a war zone. There were a lot of people shot in there. It was horrible. Families coming in, families crying. Police say all but nine have been released from the hospital three remain in critical condition it's devastating it's hurtful i'm tired of my people killing one another and michael with this recent mass shooting that brings the total to 338 this year so far but to add some perspective five years ago in 2018 there were 336 for the whole year which means the u.s has already surpassed the amount of mass shootings that they did five years ago Michael, you know, in <clears throat> Baltimore, anyone that's ever seen the um, the wire, um, Baltimore, obviously uh, known for violence. And I don't mean that in a, in a good way, but if you've ever seen the wire, I mean, Baltimore <clears throat> at times almost rivals 
Chicago, but it would when you have that amount of people outside, and then someone for whatever reason just starts spraying the crowd. They they're calling it like a mass shooting, but it's it's almost as if they just, you know, they just fire into the crowd. Uh, and again, I had no idea what would have brought something like that up. But they are not only looking for uh, that person. Now, there was also someone uh, threw explosive devices at businesses in Washington, D.C. over the course of the Washington, weekend. Washington, D.C. are searching for a suspect this morning after three businesses were damaged by explosive devices. Surveillance cameras capturing the suspect. As you can see, they're wearing a light-colored hoodie and black pants. Police are also looking for that gold-colored Acura TL with Maryland plates that you just saw there. A bank, a shoe store, and a supermarket were all hit early yesterday. Fortunately, all three businesses were closed at the time of those explosions. Also, fortunately, no one was hurt. You know, again, that's another... um it's so odd. I don't know who that was. They should be able to track down who the, whoever this was that did that. But um, but the Baltimore block party, that just as easily could be something that happens in, in our area. This is the um, 28 injured, three of them critical. Let me play. This is the uh, Today Show piece on this Baltimore uh, shooting over the course of the weekend. At home, this one in Baltimore over the weekend at a holiday block party. The victims mostly in their teens and 20s. Two people are dead and more than two dozen are injured. NBC's George Solis is in Baltimore with the very latest on this. George, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Kristen. A lot of heartbreak and frustration in this community this morning. An 18-year-old woman and 20-year-old man dead as a result of this shooting. Also upsetting to many members of this community, half of those wounded are just teens. Police continue to investigate as the search for answers is just beginning. In Baltimore this morning, heartbreak after violence ripped through a community block party. I got another gunshot wound victim, unconscious, unresponsive. The celebration descending into chaos wow. as gunfire erupted. 18-year-old <coughs> Aliyah Gonzalez and 20-year-old Kylas Fagbemi killed in the attack that authorities say left 28 others wounded half of the victims under the age of 18. We don't know if they were targeted or if they were just Looks like shooting a house down the street. A manhunt is now underway for the shooter. We will not stop until we find you, and we will find you. Lakel Nelson rushed two young shooting victims to the hospital. She was shot there, shot somewhere up here, and she just kept screaming, and I just rushed through this. I have children, you know, and... um. I would have wanted somebody to do that for my child if she was in dire need like that. Just a short time later, another mass shooting. In Wichita, Kansas, seven people wounded at a nightclub. All are expected to survive, and police have one suspect in custody. There have been a staggering number of mass shootings already this year. 338, according to the Gun Violence Archive. This is a societal problem that we're dealing with. This is insanity. This cannot cannot be the society that we are expected to live in. Baltimore's weekend shooting, now the second highest victim count so far this year. Enough is enough with this. We're losing our children. These are babies. We're losing them. The gun violence. Police say they believe there may have been at least two shooters. Still no word on a motive or suspect. Many in this community say this is an annual event that typically draws a large police presence. Why that didn't happen this go-around, police say will be part of their ongoing investigation. Well, a lot of times they don't want the police presence at something uh, like that. But uh, but that is, uh, but Baltimore, if if you see it, it it resembles a little bit, kind of reminds me of Chad Brown, where the shooting took place just as far as the structure of the buildings. and, And it's confined and so there's a lot of people in a small, compacted area. It's not like it's all spread out. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. They specialize in patios, walkways, steps. They did a fantastic job on my outside steps outdoor kitchens landscape lighting retaining walls lawn installations excavation 
Call Limitless Outdoors today. Let's dream, build, and enjoy. 401-580-1852. Based in Smithfield, Limitless Outdoors. They also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces. Limitless Outdoors. Call them today. Free quote. Get the most of your outside. You're going to love what they can do for you. 401-580-1852. 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. Dream. Build. Enjoy. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. Boy, the violence in Paris continues. Incredible. Have you seen the amount of damage? Really, really remarkable. CBS has a uh, piece on this this morning. More violence erupted over the weekend amid nationwide protests over the police shooting of a 17-year-old last week. So far, more than 3,000 people have been arrested, around 1,000 buildings damaged, and 700 police officers injured. The violence appears to be easing. French officials say fewer people were arrested overnight than the night before. Elaine Cobb reports from Paris. Violent clashes between police and protesters engulfed France as the riots continued to spread across the country over the weekend after the killing of a French-Algerian teenager by police last Tuesday. In the port city of Marseille, protesters clashed with police. The police in French is uh, racism. They launched fireworks towards the police, torched vehicles and looted stores. The police responded with tear gas and attempts to charge down the protesters. 45,000 officers were deployed nightly over the weekend. In a Paris suburb, rioters rammed a burning vehicle into the local mayor's home in the early hours of Sunday. His wife and two young children had to escape over the garden wall. The funeral of 17-year-old Naël took place on Saturday in Nanterre, the same Paris suburb where days earlier he was stopped by police for speeding. Video shows the car moving off and a shot being fired. Naël died at the scene. His grandmother, speaking to French TV, appealed for calm. They should stop, she urged. These people need to calm down. Overnight, the situation was calmer across the country with significantly fewer arrests. President Emmanuel Macron meets today with parliamentary leaders in an effort to understand how the situation got so out of control. For CBS Mornings, Elaine Cobb, Paris. He was also seen uh, dancing at an Elton John <clears throat> concert as, as this was going on. If you have to... um. If, if you you look at some of the footage the the amount of it, it's not like one or two buildings on fire is as far as you could as far as you can you know see it, it was all on fire so so it was a bystander that caught the footage of the police shooting him it was a routine traffic stop now uh, again the individual just then um started to try to take off and then that seemingly is what what triggered it but it's interesting how it wasn't official video of the authorities meaning releasing like body cam video and then you can see he just starts to try to run from the police but it was um it's it's the bystander video that when that somehow you know goes out and goes viral that um is is seemingly what really really causes the problems but if if you've seen it it's um and there was the president at an elton john concert as i mean paris is fully engulfed in flames the amount of destruction is um it, it, it just i mean as bad as it was in this country and it was in 2020. You you got to see the um, just the the sheer number of buildings that they set on fire that are burning. Like as far as as, as I was saying, as far as you could see, they were um, setting things on fire. And then, as I was watching it, there was uh, concern over. Now, obviously, the gun laws are very very well. I don't know if obviously, but gun laws are very very strict. 
<clears throat> and um and and then um they they the rioters were breaking into the a gun shop and they they're so brazen but you just heard that they they even went to the home of the mayor it is um really terrible but it, w- it was supposed to be a routine traffic stop in a paris suburb and that just triggered where the place just absolutely exploded now it seems like they're starting to get it under control but if you haven't seen it it's worth going online and seeing some of the footage of it folks you're listening to the john DePetro show falcon pest services 12 months of the year you could have a pest problem serving rhode island and massachusetts called falcon pest services today 401-739-1322 free consultation 401-739-1322 locally owned and operated serving rhode island and southeastern mass they offer services for termites bed bugs ants roaches mice rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or a restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 residential and commercial whether it's an office building a school a hotel a restaurant or your home call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 you're listening to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm always online at the website dipetro.com so who knocked off that bank on federal hill sounds like it was an inside job of some sort let's pick up some of the coverage from channel 12 they like using the, the word heist overnight and took a large sum of money from the santander bank on atwell's ave 12 news the first on scene to capture the police response so anita buffoni joins us now live in studio with what she's learned anita well we know multiple suspects were involved with what police are calling a sophisticated planned heist but we know little information released in a heavily redacted police report there are more questions than answers Police say multiple thieves broke into the vault at the Santander Bank on Atwell's Avenue, stealing a significant amount of money. An eerily familiar story to that of the infamous 1975 robbery of the bonded vault less than one mile away, which was one of the largest heists in U.S. history. So any word on the bank sending somebody down? seems confirmed someone broke into the vault here. The heist on the hill drew several police officers to the scene, some using tactical gear when searching the building. But when they got in, no one was inside, according to a heavily redacted police report obtained by 12 News. Multiple suspects are believed to be involved. The amount of money stolen has not been released. They left the vault door open, unknown. Uh, which direction the subject fled from there. The police report says video footage is being used in the investigation. The suspects used a gray or silver sedan to get away. Two subjects dressed in all black. Guys wearing black hoodie, black jackets, black sneakers, red suitcase. In the area of 280 Apples Avenue. Later Thursday morning, signs on the bank's door said the branch is temporarily closed and is directing customers to another nearby location. Now, we've reached out to Santander multiple times for comment, but have not yet heard back. Now, traditionally, the FBI is involved in investigations related to bank robberies. When I asked them to comment, they said they would not confirm or deny their involvement. I'm Anita Buffoni, 12 News. I think it's interesting that the Channel 12, they've already dubbed it the heist on the hill. Now, the FBI is involved. We've now also learned it was, I think it was uh, 500,000 stolen. So that's... That's pretty substantial, half a million. But whoever it was, they used a passcode to get into the back and then a passcode to get into the vault. So it's my understanding who would have that type of information. Someone who worked in the bank, someone familiar with someone that worked uh, or, or installed the passcode for... I mean, this is definitely some kind of connection of an inside job and 
they'll start to break it down a little bit. I don't know how much they're going to get. I mean, it's just, first of all, there was no one there. And secondly, when they do get some information, it's going to come down to who had access to that. So not so much to me possibly linking who were these individuals, but more to me of whoever had that direct information on it. So that was Channel 12. Let me hear the uh, heist on the hill. Here's the Channel 10. Here's uh, the Channel 10 version of it. Nolan Moran. spoke with a police and a security analyst who thinks yep. this is an inside job. Yep. Federal Hill was packed until 1 a.m. last night. Business as usual on the hill until it wasn't. I drove by about 1 o'clock in the morning and I didn't see anything happening, so... Maybe they did it right after. Just after 2 a.m., police say a large amount of money was stolen from the Santander Bank on Atwell's Avenue, right across from De Pasquale Square. No word on exactly how much, no suspects in custody. Um, I think it was definitely planned, and it was a true heist on the hill. According to the police report, security video captured two people getting into the bank vault around 2 a.m. Thursday. They say it shows the suspects putting in a passcode and entering the back of the bank. They were then seen putting in a second code and gaining access to that vault. Suspects then seen leaving with a big red suitcase in a white bag. Law enforcement and security analyst Todd McGee. See a brazen robbery that takes place at 2 a.m. The first, my first reaction and the first thing that comes to mind is that it's an inside job. Yep. Who would have access to codes? Who would know how to be able to maneuver? through the different vaults. Authorities describe both suspects as about five foot seven, wearing all black, including black gloves and a black mask. All I can say is it's shocking and very surprising. It's not something we would expect. It's not something you hear very Ice much about the happening hill. these days. Um, this bank is a long, long time bank on the hill. Federal Hill, we would consider an iconic place in, in Rhode Island. So that in and of itself makes it a target. McGee says the location is a key component. Having a heist from Federal Hill Gives you a lot of street credibility. He says he doesn't think the suspects will be able to hide for long. Putting handcuffs on someone remains to be seen. But again, I, I'm confident that the the resources of, of local, state, and especially federal resources, they're going to be able to gather a lot of information quick and then bring someone into justice equally as fast. That was Molly Levine reporting for us on the Federal Hill. That bank was closed today. We still don't have confirmation of I heard 500,000. I heard a half a million heist. Folks, with, with the technology they have with the cell towers, they'll be able to tell who maybe had phones that were pinging off it. Plus, you have video cameras that captured the getaway car. Um, <clears throat> again, brazenness of it. But because of the technology, plus you have the flock cameras that can read the license plates of different vehicles, I think they may already have an idea of who they're looking for now the bank could provide more information as far as who who had access to some of the information and then you start to piece it together tie it in that way but you can almost hear a little folklore there. i mean there's almost a fondness uh, of people in the media anyhow saying you know oh you know hearkening back to a time the heist on the hill federal <laughs> They, they they picked that, I don't know about street cred, they picked it be, simply because someone knew someone that had access to it. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Get your driveway paved. J. Perry Paving. Letter J. J. Perry Paving. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating, Call for a free estimate today, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs, no matter how big, how small contact them today for a free quote 401-732-1730 what a difference it makes for your driveway for your business parking lot j letter j j perry paving 401-732-1730 
online at jperrypaving.com and look for them on Facebook. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. Well, you're going to hear a lot about the Hunter Biden laptop. I mean, it without question, listen, it never should have reached this point. I think by all accounts, um, definitely, I'm not going to break any news here, has received special treatment. I mean, that part just cannot be denied of why he was allowed to operate in that <clears throat> in that way. And Brett, Brett Bearer of Fox, boy, he is rolling. Uh, he had the big President Trump interview, and then he had the big sit-down with the whistleblower, the IRS whistleblower detailing the investigation. So let's go to this was the whistleblower on with Brett Bear. Because every taxpayer deserves to be treated fairly and you know it was my oath of office to 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 make sure that that happens and uh um you know we wouldn't meet our mission as an agency with irs criminal investigation and we'd really lose the trust of 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 the people of the united states if we didn't ensure that everyone was treated fairly so for the people who say oh this is you know some planted republican who's trying to affect you know the upcoming election or has some motivation what do you say to them this is simply the facts are the facts and i've in my past i've uh I voted for for both D's and R's, and you know politics are irrelevant when I when I'm conducting my job. And what is your job? So I supervise a group of 12 agents right now, and uh, from everything that they do, from case development, case initiation, all the way through prosecution recommendation and enforcement actions, things like that. And I've been doing that um, since 2018. I've been an agent since uh, for 14 years now. The second whistleblower is actually a, a case agent not named but you know who that is yes i do and you this is done separately um you're you're two you're coming forward separately yeah i was in the october 7th meeting and that ended up being my red line and uh that's when i decided to come forward and uh you know i don't, I don't want to put words in into the other whistleblower's mouth but you know his red line was at a different time and he did so when he thought uh, he needed to and he was the case agent specifically that's correct he developed this case and worked it since 2018 and you in a supervisory role you uh were in this october 7th meeting let's get there because that's your red line moment this is a moment in which your the delaware u.s attorney david weiss according to you had made this disclosure on october 7th 2022 meeting with top irs and fbi officials saying what so i was there and i witnessed this personally and he started with he's not the deciding person on whether or not charges are filed or not. Not the deciding person on whether charges are filed with Hunter Biden. That's correct. Who was? So ultimately, this, if you follow the path of where the venue leads you, they went to the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office in March of 2022, and they presented this case to them. Uh, at the same time of that, at the same time as that was occurring, they requested discovery from the agents, which is a typical step when they're getting ready to charge. Now, I wasn't in those meetings. I asked to be in those meetings, as did the case agent, so we didn't help present to them. But after that occurred, he was no longer looking to charge in that in that district. So that's earth-shattering news. Um, so Biden-appointed D.C. U.S. Attorney Matthew Graves would not allow him to charge in his district. So... I didn't learn that fact until October 7th of 2022. So looking back to March of 2022, and that's when David Weiss in October 7th, 2022 said that the DC U.S. Attorney's Office had will not allow us to charge there. And then he added that he would request special, he requested special counsel authority and was denied. In that meeting, I even had him repeat that because I knew how important that fact was and I wanted to make sure I understood it. You were there and you remember it crystal clear in your mind not only do i remember it crystal crystal clear but i documented it the email this an exhibit in the house ways means committee testimony was when i returned home that evening i documented it in, a, in an email and, a, and a, it's an exhibit you can look right on there 
And I sent that email to two senior executives, one of which was at that meeting. And I said, is this accurate reflection of what occurred during the meeting? And the response was, you covered it all. So there are other things in that uh, uh, email to include that he needed to go to California and he had gone to California to request a charge there. And then he even opines that if they declined to allow charges that he would have to request special counsel authority from the deputy attorney general or attorney general. Speaking of the attorney general, uh, he was asked specifically about this. Mr. Weiss had, in fact, more authority than a special counsel would have. He has complete, he, has, he had and has complete authority, as I said, to bring a case anywhere he wants in his discretion. But you're saying, this, he's saying that wasn't the case. Look, you know, the, I presented the facts to the House Ways and Means Committee, and uh, they're corroborated, and another whistleblower says the same thing. So, um, you know, there is a disparity there, but um, I was there, I remember it, and, and I can vouch for uh, exactly what's written there today is what happened. Why yeah. are you doing You know, this? It's, it's about time that we get real answers because there's so much floating out there about the Hunter Biden case. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. Delicious food and drink, always a nice crowd. You can either eat in the lounge area, there's normally a game on and a nice group of people there, or you could sit out in the dining room. Don't forget the nice weather, they have the deck open. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Delicious food and drinks awaiting for you. I'll see you at the Lodge. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, will there be more charges against Josh Miller? We can only hope so. Folks, we absolutely hope so. We want more charges. I think there should be more charges. Um, and then I also want to play, I'm going to play the sound of Ted Nisi from WPRI was on. So they're owned by the same company that owns News Nation. And Cranston police have confirmed that it's very possible that this state senator, Josh Miller, could end up facing more charges. The guy completely lied. He lied to police several times. <clears throat> he lied in Garden City. He lied then when they went to the home. And, and on top of that, they don't, you know, this whole business of him saying, you know, I think it was a gun nut. What if, you know, the kid had come up and had something in his hand? And, and Cranston police ended up, you know, shooting this individual. He's 20 years old. He had his mother's SUV. And this Senator Josh Miller completely fabricated everything that happened with it. So Dan Abrams picked it up last night on News Nation. And uh, I want to play some of this. has been arrested <clears throat> and charged after he was caught on camera allegedly keying someone's car. And the whole thing might be over a... Biden sucks bumper sticker. Yep. Police say Joshua Miller was caught on surveillance camera footage keying the vehicle that had been parked next to his car in a parking center in Cranston, Rhode Island Garden last center. week. The car's owner and passenger told police that they heard a scratching noise as they were returning to the car after shopping. That's when they saw Miller next to their car gripping a single key. Got ice cream. The passenger asked Miller if he keyed his car. Miller apparently quickly denied it and walked away. The owner called police. A few hours later, they confronted Miller. And over the course of a number of interviews, his story, let's just say, evolves. The whole thing captured on police body cam video. This is the first conversation. I'm investigating a crime, okay? Okay. All right. If it's a maniac who yelled at me in the car next to me? Uh, they weren't in the car next to you. There was no one in the car. Yeah. There was no one in the car. He was blocking my way, saying I scratched his car. I didn't scratch his car. I'm a state senator. I think he recognized me. I think he's one he of the wasn't blocking his way. He, he called out my name. I never told he him did my not, name. He wasn't even there. Miller would then claim a group of people were allegedly stalking him because he sponsored a Senate bill which looks to ban the possession, sale, and transfer of assault weapons. He then took it a step further, telling a different police officer... The victim was making threats against him, even name-dropping the chief of the department. 
So Colonel Winquist knows that I was stalked by these guys. Okay. Because I'm the sponsor of Not true. Yep. Like, like, okay. He actually, they actually patrolled my house. Do you recognize this, this gentleman? That I thought called? he called my name. Like, okay. the stickers on the back of my car. Uh -huh. I thought he said, hey, Miller, did you see my car? Because I was concerned he was one of these guys. Yep. Right? That stalked me. Mm -hmm. I kept walking. Well, that part of the story unraveled pretty quickly after Cranston Police Department determined that Miller had never reported any of those threats exactly. to Colonel Michael Winquist or to any other member of the department. After reviewing the surveillance camera security footage, which corroborated the victim's story, police then went to Miller's home to question him again. And this time he finally admitted to keying the car, but suggested the victim dared him to do it. <laughs> As soon as I opened my door, yep. he started saying, hey, Miller, you, you, what are you going to do? Right? Yep. You know, he already started on me as soon as I opened my door. Right. And then, so, which, which guy was that? Because there was two guys. Yeah. I don't know which guy. But that still wouldn't explain why he keyed the car. Why would you key his car? That's why, that's, I didn't, listen, he... He was threatening There's a me video. already. Okay. There's a video. Okay. He was threatening already. Whatever you want me to do to make it, you know, easiest for you guys and everything. Did he bang your car with the door or something before that? Or, like, why would no, he No, as soon as I came out of the car. You just got mad and keyed his car. Because he was already screaming at me. All right. But the car owner's mother believes that Miller, a Democrat, might have been unhappy with her Biden sucks bumper sticker. Miller was charged with vandalism and malicious injury to property. Joining me now is Ted Nisi. He's the politics editor and investigative reporter for our Next Star affiliate in Providence. He's been covering the Rhode Island State House for the past decade. Thanks very much for coming on the program. Appreciate it. First of all, just give us a little bit of a backstory. How big a deal is this guy in Rhode Island? Well, um, he's he's like a medium-sized politician, and <laughs> I would okay. say Dan. Right? Um, he's you know he's not one of the leaders of one of the legislative chambers, but Josh Miller is you know he's been up in the state senate for 16 years. He's a chairman of a key committee, the Health and Human Services Committee. Now, uh, just last year, he actually flirted with a run for Congress. One of Rhode Island's two congressional seats opened up, so he's certainly fairly prominent. Um, and he's had controversies in the past, but of course. There's nothing like seeing body cam footage of a state senator shifting his story over the course of the day about keying someone's car. That is going to be a head turner under any circumstances. And, and do most people in law enforcement and others believe that the motive here was the bumper sticker? Well, I, of course, as a reporter, I want to be a little careful about how much I speculate, but I, I will say I think the tenor of the discussion around Island very few people think, first of all, his story didn't stay the same with the police over the course of the day. So it's hard for people to take seriously the idea he was being yelled at and then got mad at that, but then later said they knew his name, but the people say they didn't know his name. So it is hard not to see the bumper sticker as a key motivator. And I should say, too, one of the reasons we haven't heard more is because Miller is refusing to talk and his attorney will not comment um, as the legal process plays out. And because Rhode Island has a half-year legislative session, this happened right after Miller was was no longer at the state house every day when reporters like me would have gone up and questioned him it absolutely was um and i want to just once again clarify that the young man wasn't even there it's not even his vehicle it's the mother's suv the mother even said and dan abrams referred to that as i i guess he didn't like my bumper sticker so he's a hothead he made up the whole thing josh miller's not a young guy either he's almost 70 years old so he was pulling in he saw the bumper sticker and it's on the back window, so if you're pulling in, it's on the back passenger side window of the SUV, so it, he would completely see it. It wasn't like it was on the front bumper sticker or even on the driver's side part of the window. It was in the back passenger side of the vehicle, so he would be very close to that. He didn't park that well. He got out. There was no one in the vehicle. There was no one there. And State Senator Josh Miller started keying the vehicle and damaging it and causing dam uh, property damage because it had that Biden sucks bumper sticker on it. I mean, the guy is a loose cannon. He's in uh, court in July 
but I think Cranston police should bring even more charges against him. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Make sure to find The John DePietro Show Facebook page, and you can watch all the action on the scene live stream. Follow it all, real-time, live stream. Just follow John DePietro Show right there on the Facebook page. The John DePietro Show, it's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. So Governor McKee continues to be under fire, weighs in on the lunch controversy. Now, the Republican Party has now filed an ethics complaint against him. It's good. But this is the Channel 10 piece where he's talking about the lunch. Should raise eyebrows around the state, or do you think this is much ado about nothing? I saw them making a mountain out of a molehill. I still believe that's true. And it is. And it's a political event uh, that uh, uh, that people can leverage in a way that um, they think is an advantage to the, the Republican Party. I I say that uh, when you overreach and you uh, and you make claims and allegations that are just unfounded, that um, that in the end the public gets it. The people understand what's going on right now. This is a political engagement, and they're using the Ethics Commission to somehow. Uh, cast uh, a problem uh, in our office uh, and i'm not concerned about it at all folks here's the here's hey. the real truth to it governor mckee is feeling the heat the fbi is all over him uh he may get indicted still with that ilo contract you have a governor that seemingly can't focus can't think straight um there's just no telling where this whole thing is going to go the last thing he needs is more heat but make no mistake about it, that Philadelphia lunch, uh, and, and I agree, the free lunch and the donations and the Republican Party saying a small example, it's it's pay to play politics. That's what Governor McKee engages in. That's why the League of Cities and Towns, that's why their legislation didn't go forth. So when the governor says all they sent was a letter, he was expecting money. That's what it comes down to. So McKee's free lunch and the donations he took from a state vendor at this lunch, a small example of Rhode Island's pay-to-play political culture, and it's on full display. So I applaud the Republican Party for, for filing this ethics complaint. And then look, look what happened with the League of Cities and Towns. Look what happened to... And what happened with the League of Cities and Towns when they did not throw a fundraiser and therefore they were just trying to argue the case on the merits. And and instead, Governor McKee is like, that's it? That That's all you have? Where's, you know, where's the fundraiser? Where's the fundraiser at the Capitol Grill? You sent a letter? No, he's expecting some kind of a payout on this whole thing. That's not what he was looking for. He, everything is tied to a donation. Where the McKee people wanted a fundraiser thrown. And the same thing like, You know, they, 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 you have people that are trying to argue things on the merits, and you have the McKee people where everything is pay to play. If you want something done, you have to pay for it. He's not just going to do it because it's the right thing to do, that it makes sense to do it that way. That's not the way he thinks. That's not the way he operates. Uh, you got the wrong governor for this. So, but make no mistake also, Governor McKee, folks, is at just full-fledged war right now with the media. And he may feel, ah. Who needs them? I don't need them. But it's it's a very unhealthy relationship to have. Um, his blunders, controversies continue to add up. He gets angrier, and it doesn't get resolved. But how they mishandled this Philadelphia trip is a good example of— I, I'm not saying that, that it was not a, an easy situation to handle— but at the very least, they mishandled it. And, and, it, it, and it's a pattern and practice of hiding things 
and think you're slick and we're not going to release this and we're not going to release that. And then eventually it, it leaks out or then people take legal action and they, they get it to come out. And then, you know, this Philadelphia thing that has now been carrying on for weeks now, it, it just, it kind of, you know, it blew up in their face and it's embarrassing and takes away from things they're trying to do. But at the end of the day, the McKee people have no one to blame but themselves. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Check out DePietro.com. We have merchandise, all the shows, video, exclusive stories waiting for you right there at DePietro.com. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website DePietro.com. I mean, this story is just sad. Alex Anani has closed their headquarters and... 20 of their stores. stores nationwide and vacated its Rhode Island headquarters. Now, this comes just two years after the jewelry brand filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. The company was founded in Rhode Island and had its global headquarters in East Greenwich. The chain has just seven remaining stores now, including in Disney Springs and the National Harbor, Maryland, but none in Rhode Island. In a statement, Alex Anani CEO Scott Berger said in part, Alex Anani has been reimagining various aspects of our company over the past few years and will continue to explore all options that support our refreshed business model, which may include new store openings in the future. I mean, they were very, very generous donating to Rhode Island College, URI, donating different causes. Alex Nani was a tremendous success story um, with those, you know, the unique um, bracelets that they were making right around 2011, 2012 into 2013 i mean alex anani was just absolutely flying at one point they were even uh the evaluation on the company was i believe 700 million carolyn who began started it it was her father's business and she was listed i think as a billionaire on the cover of a magazine certainly not the case now she did hold on to a lot of real estate. It's um, there was just a period of time, 2011, 20, definitely 2011, 2012, 2013, right in that period where they were just unbelievable success story and growth and dominance in Rhode Island. And it's, it is. It's sad. It's it's um, it's almost like it grew too fast. It was an incredible ride for the people involved, but they 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 were very. They donated a large amount of money to URI, as I said, Rhode Island College, other endeavors that they were involved with. Um, it was it was really a remarkable story as their brand of jewelry just started taking off and positive energy and uh and it suddenly it just seemed to be everywhere you know they had a point where they even had valet if you wanted to go to their store around christmas time it was just on fire but the the whole ride for alex and ani seemingly has come to an end uh very sad folks you're listening to the john DePietro show